With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to That's Good Sports. I am Brandon. I now fully believe the 49ers will win the Super Bowl because Kyle Shanahan can tell the officials exactly when the opposing team is going to penalize his offense burner. 85 versus their gun. Green Bay broke up the shutout, but San Francisco was still in control. Redner just held up the whole way. Two flags came down. Is that some next level genius, or is it safe to assume that if George Kittle doesn't make a catch, it's definitely a defensive penalty? We are back down to zero days without an A-B incident here at That's Good Sports. Antonio Brown's trainer was arrested for battery. Kansas and K-State Brawled on the hardwood, Dean Pease retires, Eli Manning is retiring, Jay Gruden will go to Jacksonville, Quan Alexander and Demarcus Lawrence battle for hot boys, and the Pro Bowl will now test more NFL rule changes. All that on. That's good. Sports. This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good. In somber football news, Patriot Slayer, Dream Keeper, and World Hero, Eli Manning has announced he will announce his retirement on Friday via a press conference. While NFL sidelines may have gotten a little bit handsomer, or chicer if you will, with this news, the NFL as a whole will not be the same without a Manning on the field, something that hasn't happened since 1998. When Big Brother Peyton set the rookie record for most interceptions in a season with 28, and it didn't matter if Tim Allen was a Trump supporter in Home Improvement. Now, I don't give a shit what anyone says about Eli's career. Beating the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl makes him a Hall of Famer. Hell, the Hall should be renamed to Hall of Eli Manning and Manning family members. Imagine what kind of lawless society we'd be living in without the sheriff and his kid brother deputy to stop Bill and Tom in the playoffs and Super Bowl. The Mannings versus the Pats in the postseason are 5-2. Eli did finish his career with a perfect 117-117 record, 57,000 passing yards, two-time Super Bowl MVP, and facial immortality. Eli, in retirement, all that I ask now is that you join forces with Peyton and the entire Manning family to find enough money to purchase my Denver Broncos. That is your new destiny. 49ers linebacker Quan Alexander learned how powerful becoming a meme is. In his first game back after injury, he stated, the university that he was educated by was the Ivy League powerhouse known as Quan Alexander, Hot Boys University. Apparently, Alexander is now trying to trademark Hot Boys and Hot Boys University, both spelled with two Zs, which you wouldn't know unless you attended Hot Boys University. Personally, I think it's amazing football players are finally being open with their sexuality. 
I think the Aaron Hernandez documentary shed some light on the subject. And if gay football players not only want to be open about that, but are willing to fight for the advancement of creating a safe environment for out of the closet players by creating an entire university for hot boys, I see that as progress. Legally speaking though, Demarcus Lawrence has already trademarked hot boys and plans to stop Quan from using an extra Z to claim it as his own. To me though, hot boys are boys who can actually get to the Super Bowl, so Lawrence should have his hot boys card revoked. That's hot. A barrage of fisticuffs erupted between K-State and KU at the end of Kansas's 81-60 defeat of the Wildcats when Dewan Gordon stole the ball from Silvio de Souza when KU was trying to run out the clock, only to have his layup blocked by de Souza harder than one of my videos by the NFL. This fight actually lasted longer than the Conor McGregor versus Cowboy fight. That's not even a joke, just a factual statement. And as someone who lived in Kansas for six years, I can say without hesitation, this fight occurred because every single man on that court is angry he got tricked into attending college in the state of Kansas. I mean, how do I trust an educational institution that teaches that Jesus prevented bi-curious dinosaurs from masturbating with meteors? Now, Kansas forward. Uh, Silvio de Souza has been suspended indefinitely for turning this bar stool into a weapon. This may be the first evidence we have of a sober man turning a bar stool into a weapon. The best part of this scuffle is the photo, where we see true evil in the world. No, not the violent act of fighting, but the girls here pointing and laughing while the world around them burns. This young man in front of them is terrified while their joy is being fueled by chaos and ruin. Speaking of chaos and ruin, Antonio Brown's trainer, Glenn Holt, has been arrested for burglary and battery. Holt apparently assaulted the moving truck driver of the moving truck Antonio Brown hired to bring belongings to his home. I'm assuming those belongings were pallets of bags of gummy dicks AB has been promising to send Adam Schefter and former agent Drew Rosenhaus. And like most AB incidents, this turned out to be quite the yarn. TMZ reported that the driver showed up to AB's house, AB refused to pay, so the driver refused to unload Antonio Brown's stuff and left, AB threw a rock at the driver's truck. Then the moving company told the driver to go back because Antonio Brown agreed to pay the $4,000 moving fee and the $860 for damages, but when the driver showed up, AB refused to pay again, and then an altercation ensued. AB's trainer got the keys from the driver and started to unload AB's shit, and that is why he is being charged with burglary, and the driver has claimed that Antonio Brown punched him multiple times or assaulted him and forced his way into the truck. Jesus. That happened yesterday, and police returned today to continue to investigate what happened and to assess if Brown should also be arrested, but AB has apparently locked himself in his home and refuses to come out. Now, the mother of AB's children has become the latest person to publicly state that Brown is in serious need of mental health help. This Antonio Brown situation has been sad longer than it's been entertaining now. The question is, how do you help someone who is not willing to admit that they need help? 
it's clear that something isn't right with AB, and as unlikable as he's become over the last year and a half, I think everyone wants to see him get help before something terrible happens. Sadly, if he gets arrested for battery, that might be the only way he is forced into a situation where he can be evaluated properly. But if you know anything about the criminal justice system, that even seems like a stretch, specifically in Florida where Brown currently resides. If Brown is truly mentally unstable and his mind is betraying him, I have to reflect on what I've said about him here. It really reminds me to focus on players whose bodies are betraying them, like Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger. Seeing a man physically decline after the NFL has battered him into a pulp, that's comedy. What Antonio Brown is going through is serious. Now the NFL announced that the 2020 draft in Vegas will be held on the water at the Bellagio and that drafted players will be escorted to the stage via boat. The NFL draft is already way too long. It's a three-day event with over 20 hours of live broadcast coverage. And Roger Goodell was like, anyone have any ideas how we can make this thing longer? And there was one intern in the back of the room who slowly raised his hand and was like, boats? Is it, could we do boats? Now, I have to credit NFL corner Eli Apple's mom, Annie Apple, for dropping one of the funniest tweets I read with the floating boat draft. She tweeted, black folks on a boat being taken to their new owners? Whose idea was this? <laughs> that shit is hilarious. Further investigation though, by me, confirms that that was a joke. And also the floating stage will be the red carpet area so players will not be voted to the stage when their name is called. The Jacksonville Jaguars uh, have hired Jay Gruden as their offensive coordinator. I think this pairing with Gardner Minshew will be a match made in charismatic heaven. Even with a $100 million contract, John Gruden is jealous of Jay getting to be so close to those cutoff jean shorts. Jay Gruden was a pretty good offensive coordinator in Cincinnati before taking the head coaching gig in Washington. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, and Matt LaFleur have all become successful head coaches after getting the fuck out of Dan Snyder's House of Horrors. Their success has evidenced Mike Shanahan's coaching tree, while Small is strong, like the bonsai. Now, Jay Gruden took over after Shanahan was fired in Washington, so his tree is different. Probably a weeping willow, since Gruden's are so loud. My point is I think he is a solid hiring for the Jaguars. Gruden was the only offensive coordinator to ever get more than 25 passing touchdowns out of Andy Dalton. Dalton had 33 in Gruden's last year and then dropped to 19 the next season when Hugh Jackson took over. Titans defensive coordinator Dean Pease has retired. Having to game plan for Patrick Mahomes one time in the postseason was the enlarged prostate to finally stop Dean from peeing ever again. While the Titans may have finished number two in the AFC Championship game, Pease will always be number one to me. In a statement, Pease was pretty brief saying, it was just time to relieve myself. And finally, knowing that it can't even enforce its current rules correctly, the NFL has decided to throw some more into the mix to be tested at this weekend's Pro Bowl. Both rules seem pretty fucking stupid to me. And since I know everything, if you disagree, you're probably a communist narc. Now, rule one is the attempt 
to get rid of the kickoff, like we saw in the AAF. This is the one I hate, but at this point, it's like, who cares? Because the NFL has already ruined kickoffs. I actually think what the XFL is doing is the right way to go with kickoffs, and I discussed those changes in my last episode. During the Pro Bowl, though, the NFL will have the scoring team either give the receiving team the ball at the 25, like a touchback on a normal kickoff, or the scoring team can try and convert a 4th and 15 from their own 25, which is how they want to replace the onside kick, and if they convert the 4th and 15, they get to keep the ball. If they don't, the receiving team takes over at the dead ball spot. The other rule is about wide receivers who flinch or pick up a foot and how that won't be flagged for a false start or for an illegal shift. I really don't know what the hell the rule means, but if it decreases penalties and gets us one step closer to eliminating illegal formations, I'm all for it. But just know the Super Bowl may be the last time we see kickoffs in the NFL. Thanks for watching another episode of That's Good Sports. Please subscribe here on YouTube. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, at Brandon Perna. If you're not into social medias, that's fine. I don't need to know that you don't want to fucking follow me on Twitter. That's fine. You don't have to. You gotta realize these are your choices. I'm just telling you what's available. Don't get mad at me. I am not defensive. This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good.